Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. Before we get into the episode, I just want to make a bigger point about something that Jess says in this episode, specifically having microspikes with her when she went over San Cento, which includes the Idlewild and Apache Peak areas. It brings to mind my conversation with Doug Lair, who lost his son, Trevor Microsoft Lair, at Apache Peak in 2020. Trevor was just 11 days into his thru-hike. And from that conversation, I am completely on board with Doug about three key mindsets that very well might have saved his son's life. Embrace the alternate. Don't shortchange your safety at the expense of grams and ounces. And develop sound risk management strategies before you hit the trail. If you want to hear more about Trevor's story, check out episode 82 with Doug. Just take care of yourself out there. And now let's get back to the episode. But yeah, it's just, it was so, it's so simple. I'm like, hmm, right now I'd be going to the gym. Then I'd be going to work. <laughs> and out here, you're just like, we're just doing the same thing over and over, but never seeing the same thing twice. Like you're just, you're moving on. You're just, okay, we packed up our home. Now we're going to go find another home pack up our home, find another home. And it's just so simple. And it really just makes you realize how little you actually need to like be, to be truly happy too, right? Not just to live, but to actually be happy. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast where we get to pull up a seat at the campfire and have a conversation about all things through hiking. I'm Erin Egan, and today's guest is Frosty, known off-trail as Jess Rochelle. She spent six years dreaming and planning about hiking the Pacific Crest Trail before she got her 2020 permit. And then, well, 2020 happened. But she scrambled and found herself at the Southern Terminus on March 18th. And it was all going fine until she hit Northern California and Elliot, pushed her off trail. But that's a story I'll let her tell you. So in this episode, we talk about how the people she hiked with changed her. Notes in the sand, hating Lucifer, and of course, the Elliot of it all. You can find this episode at hiking-through.com or on our brand new Hiking Through channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Frosty. Welcome to the podcast, Jess. Thank you. Uh, so great to have you here. Yeah, it's um, great to be here. What this is going to for everybody who's listening. <laughs> I, I had a slight faux pas and forgot to start recording, so we're going to rehash a few things here. Yeah. Um, and one of those things is going to be, uh, what was your start date for the? Uh, so my, yeah, so my start date was March eighteenth of twenty twenty. Uh, it was supposed to be March twenty fifth. But with everything going on, COVID-related and that sort of thing, um, the week before on a Friday, everyone from work was like, just get on a plane, just go. You have no idea what's going to happen. Just get out of here. Um, So I kind of, I went home that weekend and 
I really, in the back of my mind, was like, what's going to happen? There's an announcement happening on Monday for our prime minister is going to announce something. And I was like, you know what? He's, he's going to shut the borders. He just is. I, I need to get out of here. I really do. And so uh, I called. I had a week left at work. I called my boss. I'm like, how pissed at me are you going to be if I get on a plane and go? And she's like, you know what? Just go. We'll figure it out. We got a lot of coverage. So I did. So Saturday night, I yeah, I called my boss. I called my insurance adjuster to get all my travel insurance changed. So she was like, you cannot leave until Monday at nine o'clock because that's when I can change all your insurance. So don't cross the border until then. So, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So Monday morning, I'm on the way to the airport. She calls me. She's like, yeah, you're good to go. And so I booked a flight on the way to the airport while I was getting driven there. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the way to the airport? Yeah. You know, I've always wanted to do that. I just thought it would be for something more fun. <laughs> Not like stressful. I have to leave the country. Um, yeah. So I got on a plane, went down to San Diego. I had no idea where I was going to stay, uh, what I was going to do, because I figured I was still going to start on my start date. Um, but then the PCTA had sent out an email the next day saying, if you are finding yourself in San Diego early, you're starting late because of everything going on. These are, This is the way that you can like kind of adjust your permit so you can go through local authorities to get the proper permits for the first like however many mm-hmm. miles so you can start early. So that's what I did. I went on and I got a permit for the first 50 miles so I could start on the 18th. And on the 18th is when they actually closed the borders. <laughs> and so I got there on the 16th. They closed the Canadian-American border on the 18th. And then, yeah, uh, and then that's when the shelter in place uh, the following day. So the 19th, we were on the on the trail on the 18th. And on the 19th, the shelter in place in California kind of came into play. And it was just, yeah, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> but How was that for you? I mean, being out there, California is seriously under lockdown at that point. Yeah, it was. It was weird. Um, it was a little stressful. It was a little disheartening because we kind of all thought that we were going to have to go home. Um, but with a little like little research, a little calling a couple of people, I called my mom, obviously. <laughs> um, PCTA had sent out an announcement encouraging people to get off the trail. Um, but when we read it thoroughly, it did say that our permits were still valid yeah. and that we just had to like fault like if there were park closures or whatever that we needed to respect that. And we did. Um, but for, I had started with two other people that I met in the hostel and they had come over from the UK and we basically looked at it. It was like, we're going to go home. If we go home, we're going to have to quarantine. We don't have a place to live. So we're going to be putting people who we live with, um, out of work because they will have to quarantine with us. Um, it's right now not illegal for us to be on the trail, um, how hard is it for us to get home also? So we're like, okay, hey, we're just going to continue. And if we're driven off the trail because it becomes illegal to be on the trail or it becomes super unsafe, then we will make other arrangements and try to get home. But we decided to stick together from that point. So it was night two on the trail when uh, the PCTA, PCTA had sent out that email. So we kind of talked about it and we're like, hey, we're going to stick together. So if we had to and things started shutting down around us, we could pool resources and but we were, you know, safety in numbers. But this is kind of like a different, <laughs> different kind of safety, yeah. I guess, rather than what you normally are looking at um, when you're hiking a trail. But yeah, it was 
there was a lot of like mixed feelings about it, but I think in the end, like we just had to do what was right for us. And it, I mean, it ended up being great. <laughs> well, and you, I mean, assuming at that point that you also probably shifted your approach, there are all the classic places to go into town. Yeah. But now everything's shelter in place and so forth. So you've got to shift your approach to carrying a lot more food. You're not secure in yeah. water sources because you're in the desert. Absolutely. So we kind of, we were very cautious of which towns we went into. We used Facebook a lot to kind of see what the feeling was in all the towns. Um, some of them were very open that they wanted people there. Some of them were very open that they didn't want people there. Um, also with Facebook, you have to take it with a grain of salt because there were a lot of people who were just out there attacking, um, telling us to get off the trail. We don't want you here. When, when we found out when we did get into those towns, it really wasn't the case. A lot of people were very opening, very happy to see that we were still on trail. Um, but what we did do is that when we got to bigger towns that we did feel comfortable in, we started packaging up food and sending it up to the towns that we didn't think would be as welcoming or that didn't, you know, that we had, had the supplies. They, yeah. And that, that we had heard that maybe they're a smaller town and that they were further away from medical assistance. So we wanted to be very respectful where we kind of just went in and grabbed their stuff from the post office and left. So um, there were quite a few days where we were like, okay, we're going to do a nine day food carry here when normally we would only do like a four day food carry, but we want to skip this town or what have you. So um, yeah, it was a little crazy in the beginning. So when we got to Banning, California, we actually were stuck there for four days because of a snowstorm in Big Bear. So we had spent the time, we went to Walmart and we had packaged up like four boxes. Basically we had packaged up enough stuff to get us the Kennedy Meadows from Banning. So oh, we had wow. only had to, yeah. So we'd only had to drop into towns to get our resupply boxes and then head out. So. And then just keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> up. Now was it you or was it some, maybe it was Joshua. I, I was looking and there was somebody whose father was trailing them or leading them, I guess with a camper. Mm. That wasn't me, but that would have been super cool. Right? <laughs> yeah. That would have been very helpful. Um, no, we didn't have that. We did, however, meet a family who did follow us up quite a ways. Um, and I actually got off trail in California, but in Northern California. But um, they actually, this family had followed our trail family all the way into Oregon. And they had just picked certain stops where they were going to come pick us up and drive us into town so we didn't have to do hitches or they'd bring us supplies or they were really great. And they followed us to, I think, like four or five different stops and That's gave us amazing. rides. Yeah. And these were just like random people that one of our trail family just met in Tehachapi in the Walmart. And they were like, we love your story. We want our kids to learn from you. Can we help you? And they did. And they were beautiful people. And we became friends with them. And yeah. And they literally, so, I mean, Tehachapi is in Southern California. Yeah. So they literally just followed you and your family up the trail? Or were they already sort of doing that anyway? No. So they would like kind of. So they came up to Kennedy Meadows to meet us. That was the first place that most of our trail family had met them. They came to drop off uh, a package that one of us couldn't pick up at the post office. So this guy's socks that we were with, 
his package hadn't been there yet. So the guy offered to go get it for him from the post office and bring it up to Kennedy Meadows. So they did that, put the whole family in the car. There were six kids, six kids, a dog and a cat (laughs) and the the two parents. And they came up to Kennedy Meadows, brought us a couple of beers, brought Cody or Socks' package, and then offered us a ride into Lone Pine. So they picked us up at the campground to go into Lone Pine. They met us again. Um, One of them drove up just to give us a ride into Bishop just so we had a ride there. Like they didn't even stay. They just drove up to drive us into Bishop. Um, They met us in Mammoth, California, um, and we camped out with them for a little while at an RV park. Uh, And then they met them again somewhere in Oregon. I'm not exactly sure where, but yeah. Where were they based? In Tehachapi. Jesus. Yeah. So they just had some little family road trips that they came along with us. Right. Well, I mean, I guess last year would have been the year for it since it was distant learning. And, you know, as long as you could get some sort of internet connection, you could zoom, you could do the zoom learning environment. And I'm, I believe their kids are homeschooled too, just in general. So yeah. So they just, they really had the opportunity just to follow us along and nothing else going on, I guess, during the lockdown. So. Right. So it's a, it's a learning experience. Learning on the go. (laughs) Yeah. In a different, in a different way about something that's, that you would not normally see. Yeah. Yeah. They were pretty cool. Um, we just kept saying to them, like, we are in so much karmatic debt to you guys. Like, how can we repay you? And they were, they just said to us like, no, our kids love you. They're learning so much from you. Like how often do they get to meet like seven to 12, like super cool people, Mm -hmm. um, that have all these different stories and different backgrounds and are doing something that they can just like idolize almost. So uh, it was kind of neat when they said that to us, it was like, well, I didn't, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. It's interesting when the, when the spotlight is turned back around. Yeah. Cause I was just like, well, we're a bunch of dirty random hikers, strangers, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it was just a neat perspective. Yeah. Well, and, and since you mentioned not making it to see them in, in Oregon, let's, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about the Elliot uh, of it all. Wow. You, well, you're a good creeper. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. So Elliot, how, how could you not notice this? <laughs> so I started getting pain in my shoulder. Um, I had pain in my shoulder for a while, but it just started as like muscle ache sort of pain. And um, I just remember this one day I asked uh, Socks if he could massage out my shoulder because I was having troubles with my right shoulder, but I have an old injury there. So every so often he'd massage it out. Um, He has a little bit of a background in um, sports medicine and stuff. So he'd massage it out. And then one day I said, oh, can you massage my shoulder? I'm like, no, 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 my left one. He's what? Your left one's hurting you now. So I thought I was overcompensating mm-hmm. right, for my shoulder. So I thought it was just bringing up some pain. Um, so hiking for a couple of weeks in pain, I guess. And I was falling further and further behind my trail family. And uh, I was about, probably haven't seen them in about two days. And I was in so much pain. I was crying. I couldn't walk very far with, I was physically sick. I was walking like maybe a mile and getting sick and stopping and relaxing for a couple of hours and hiking again. And uh, 
I met this couple who had actually given us a ride back in Old Station. And they hiked with me for a bit because they didn't, they, they thought something was seriously wrong. They didn't want to leave me. And as we were hiking together, we had met another couple who was doing sections of the trail and they were on the trail for one more night. And they said, we will drive, we'll drive you into Mount Shasta to meet your trail family. Cause that's where they were. Um, we were like, we'll drive you into Mount Shasta to meet your trail family. You need to get off trail. One of them was a retired nurse. And she's like, your shoulder is so inflamed. But I'm on the trail. I can't see my own shoulder. Well, my trail family is ahead of me. I'm hiking with like, it was a lot of pain. Like I was hiking with my shoulder strap off my shoulder. I had my chest strap like strapped from underneath my armpit. And I was just like, holding on to my backpack with like one arm and I was going for it. And she's like, your shoulder is so inflamed. Like you have, you've damaged something. And I didn't, I didn't feel like I had damaged anything. I just felt that there was so much pain, but that was the only explanation for me. Like I must've fallen and hurt myself and just not realized it. Um, I, <laughs> I had another injury right before my shoulder started hurting. So I thought maybe while my body was fighting that I had hurt myself and just my body was still reacting to my open wounds of my other injury. Oh, it was one of those type of injuries. I was glissading on the last day in the Sierras, glissading down the mountain in shorts. And I ended up getting a basically a road rash on my butt cheeks. Uh, really that you will, you will not find that picture on Instagram, (laughs) but, um, and my, one of my butt cheeks got infected. (laughs) So (laughs) anyway, yeah. So bringing the story up. So I decided when I got to Mount Shasta that I had to get off trail, that this was not something that was going to get fixed by walking into the clinic. And I thought I had seriously torn a muscle or something. So like, I'm on the phone crying to my mom. Like, I don't know how to get home. The borders are closed. I was in so much pain. I couldn't even like fathom looking up online how to even start getting home from Mount Shasta. So my mom went online and found out it was actually very easy to (laughs) take a flight home from just like every other day. Um, So she booked me a Greyhound. She booked me two flights. Anyways, it was headphones fell out. Um, Anyways, yeah, she booked me Greyhound, two flights, and I was able to get home. But yeah, it, yeah. so I get home. I have to quarantine. Mm-hmm. So I quarantine for two weeks in a trailer. Because if I quarantine in my mom's house, I put my mom out of work, my right. mom's boyfriend out of work, and my brother out of work, who makes toilet paper, and they really needed him <laughs> at that time. <laughs> We thank you. He's an essential worker. <laughs> uh, so I had to quarantine in a trailer in their front yard. Um, and so the only medical attention I could get was a video chat. So a video chat with my doctor. I'm showing her my shoulder. I'm trying to move my arm, share the uh, range of motion. And she says, yeah, I think you tore a muscle. So unfortunately, that's en- not enough to get out of quarantine to go to the hospital. So you do have to wait the two weeks. Mm-hmm. So the day I got out of quarantine, I went into the hospital and they took an x-ray and they said, yeah, for some reason, your scapula is displaced. It's like winged outward. We don't know why. This is weird. (laughs) So they set me up with the orthopedic surgeon. She asked me 8 million questions, poked me, prodded me, did all sorts of stuff. And then was like, you know what? 
let's just send you for blood work just to see. Like, we don't know what this can be. We'll just send Why you for not? blood work. Yes, let's go. She's like, we're also going to send you for a COVID test just in case. Like, <laughs> like, okay, I get this huge mound on my shoulder, but sure. So I go for blood work. My CRP, uh, so my C-reactive proteins are 185. They should be like seven. <laughs> and my white blood cell count was 22, should be like 10. <laughs> so they're like, okay, you have an infection of some sort. So we're definitely getting you a COVID test. Go for a COVID test. It comes back negative. They do a CT scan. And I have this like gigantic abscess underneath my shoulder blade that when they drained it, they drained 1.2 liters of fluid from my body. Okay. So like, <laughs> like to put it in perspective, like this is 1.5 <laughs> liters right here. Yeah. Like this is yeah, a lot. So I had an extra three pounds of fluid inside of me. <laughs> and, and you didn't. <laughs> I know. know. <laughs> oh, well, like I also didn't have any, like, I didn't have any physical reaction. Like I, I didn't have a fever, which thank God, cause they wouldn't let me on an airplane. Right. Um, so I didn't have a fever. I had no signs of infection. I was walking around talking. I was just in pain and had this giant, swollen shoulder and but you couldn't because you couldn't see a mirror like you couldn't see yourself from the side yeah per se you couldn't see what was going on you just knew that it was painful yeah and maybe it was swollen because of a muscle something exactly so once I got to Mount Shasta I could see my shoulder and then my trail family was like holy crap yeah your shoulder is huge and but that was when I had already decided I was coming home but right. yeah, and then once once I saw that, I was like, oh, maybe I dis- con- dislocated my scapula. I, I don't know. Like, I really had no idea, but I, because I had no other signs of infection, like I had no fever, I wasn't sick. I was, and so I actually had this meeting with one of the doctors before they found out, like I had a huge abscess, and he he was trying to figure out what was going on. And so I guess we had just done the CT scan, and he had just seen that I had an abscess. So he's asking me all these questions like, did you get bit by anything? Were you, did you drink out of a swamp and not filter your water? Did, were, did you come into any contact with any of the weird animals? Was there a Lyme outbreak wherever you were? Like all these weird questions. And uh, I was just like, no, like nothing. I can't. The only thing I could think of was that I had this infected ass <laughs> <laughs> when I <laughs> ripped it open on the snow. And I was like, I, I like uh, other than that, I had no nothing near my shoulder. And if I did, I f- feel like I would have felt it because your backpack like rubs there. So you would have known. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, he's just like, I've never seen anything like this. He's like, you are the sick, like the healthiest, sickest person I have ever seen. He's like, how you're not dead already or in sepsis. Like, we don't know. Like, thank God you have an amazing immune system. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, cool. So that was my first time ever, like, in a hospital. <laughs> so there were yeah. a lot of firsts last year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I got over my fear of needles pretty quickly. <laughs> they stabbed yeah. me multiple times a day. Um, in the end, it was a basic staph infection. So he's like, I kind of wish it was something cooler, but it really is just something that could have happened to anyone at any time for any sort of bite, scratch, whatever. So Right. But as far as you know, you didn't have a bite or a scratch. It just... It formed and then went wild. I, I honestly think it was from when my 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 
grape on my butt it got infected. Went- yeah, I think so. They said it was very unlikely, but at the same time, they really had no idea how they're like, we have no idea. It could be, but it was unlikely that it traveled that far. But I had been living with it for almost seven weeks by the time they drained it out of me. So it gives it time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so spent when- a week in the hospital. <laughs> we named it Elliot. That's why we yes. named the abscess Elliot. That's why it says Elliot shoulder. That was a little bit of a painkiller induced uh <laughs> My mom's friend said it must have been my twin absorbed in the womb. And I was like, oh, yeah, we've already named him Elliot. And it just kind of was a little spiral <laughs> from too much pain meds. <laughs> it just grew from there. It did. The, so the story of Elliot. Yeah. Rip Elliot 2020. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. When you were glissading <laughs> and ripped your ass open, your butt cheek open. <laughs> yeah. It got, I take it it got infected just because you didn't have anything to treat it with or like it's road yeah. rash basically. Yeah, pretty much. It was pretty big. It, um, it was pretty much an open wound until, so this was going into um, Kennedy Meadows North that this happened. I Sorry, I can't remember the past, but, but just before Kennedy Meadows North. Kennedy Meadows North has nothing in terms of medical supplies. Um, It's got a tiny little general store and that's pretty much it. Um, So basically until we got to South Lake Tahoe, I didn't have a whole lot. Like I didn't have any polysporin or anything. I just had fake gauze. And like, so all I could really do was try to gauze it. But I mean, it's your butt and you're like walking. It's like rubbing against your pant. Like it just, you can't keep a bandage on your butt. And then, you know, like you'd need a decent sized bandage. And it was both of my cheeks, both of them. (laughs) And right in the crease too, where it meets my, (laughs) yeah, it was, it was so bad. It it was really bad. So just for everybody listening, this is a PSA. Don't glissade in shorts. Don't glissade in shorts. I don't know why there was like probably 10 of us that day, everyone glissaded in shorts and I was the only one that this happened to. So I don't, I don't know what is wrong with me and why it ha- that happens, but don't glissade in shorts. Yeah. And I got to assume that this probably wasn't <laughs> the first time you'd glissaded. No, definitely not. But so. anytime I wore shorts though, before that, I was like, I'm not glissading because it's shorts. But then it was like, oh, last day in the Sierras, sort of. So I'm going to do it. Everyone else is doing it. <laughs> hike your own hike. Don't do it because everyone else is doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Those are all the things that you say to yourself after the fact. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, I wouldn't have glissated and then maybe I could have finished the trial, but who knows? Whatever. It all happens for a reason, right? Maybe I needed to learn that lesson hard. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. So, I mean... Your hike ended in a wild crescendo of yeah, it was so injury sad. and and that kind of stuff. <sighs> yeah, it was so sad. I my last day on trail, so I was about thirty miles behind my trail family, and we had this plan to go into um, into Mount Shasta. It was the Fourth of July. Um, we were all gonna go out and have a good time and just you know, celebrate the 4th of July. And uh, on the 4th of July, I was about 30 miles behind them because I just couldn't, 
I couldn't make it. I couldn't keep up. And so this lovely couple drove me into Mount Shasta and met my trail family and they all went out for the 4th of July. And I knew that I knew that was my last day on trail. And I just got into, just got into bed in the hotel and it was called my mom crying. I was like, figure out how to get me home. I'm not going like, no offense to the U.S., but I'm not going to the hospital system in the U.S., especially in California during a pandemic. Um, it just, it just wouldn't have been a good time. I was like, just get me home to free healthcare. <laughs> yeah, get me yeah. at least if I have to be hospitalized there, then they don't have to move me. I'm not in the middle of a pandemic down here. I can be close to home. No one could visit me because pandemic, mm-hmm. but I was at least a block away from my house. <laughs> So, yeah, but yeah, it was pretty sad. So I stayed, so I got to Mount Shasta on the 4th of July and I got a flight out on the 7th. So my trail family took an extra zero day and stayed with me until the 7th, um, which is really nice. So we stayed in town and we had some good home cooked food and hung out and had some good times. And then I got a ride to Weed, California to catch my greyhounds from a trail angel. And then he turned around and gave them a ride back to the trails. Nice. Yeah. So, How did you process all of that? Not very well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I was in a lot of pain when I got home. So I did a lot of sleeping. Um, I was in my trailer. It was really kind of crappy to see everyone else's posts from the trail and all that sort of stuff while I was stuck in quarantine and couldn't even do anything, let alone be on the trail. Um, But my trail family kept in touch. They sent me pictures. Um, We video chatted once when they were having a coffee break on the mountain. Um, So that was really nice. Uh, It was nice to stay connected. And then after I got out of the hospital, I actually had a pick line. So it, I had to be on IV antibiotics for 24 hours a day for another 28 days after I got out of the hospital. Wow. So I had a tube that went into my arm all the way to the top of my heart. Um, so just so it could dispense antibiotics and there's sweet fanny pack with a bag of antibiotics hooked up to me 24 hours a day. Um And so, but I was feeling, I was feeling better. Um, So we, when my trail family finished the trail on August 27th, because I live in Vancouver, I was able to actually go and hike into the Northern Terminus and see them on their last day. So that was so cool. Um, I know I didn't get to finish the trail with them, but it really like brought this like sense of closure. Like it kind of brought it full circle. Um, it, that was really cool. It was a really neat experience. I was still hooked up to IV antibiotics and I was like hiking in, <laughs> hiked in that like eight miles. I brought two friends with me. We loaded our backpacks up with beer and food and like fresh vegetables, candy, chips, um, cupcakes. It was Sox's birthday. Mm. So we brought cupcakes with candles for his birthday and growlers full of local beer and went and saw them. At, they got there before we did, but we saw them at the terminus and had a little celebration. And then they had to turn around and go back 30 miles. And then we turned around and went back our eight. But yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of cool to get my friends to meet them too. And from my friends from over here to be able to come and see my trail family who I just basically left them for, for three and a half months. 
did it maybe not excite them about the trail, but, but interest them in the trail a little bit to, to be there, to see the terminus, to hear the stories of people reminiscing and. Yeah. Like they were, so one of my friends who came with me is basically my hiking buddy over here. She's the girl who I call if I want to go for a hike or she's the girl who I go backpacking with. Um, we've been friends for quite a while and we've been hiking together for quite a while. And so for her, it was really cool, I think, to come see these people that I had been hiking with and that she's been hearing about all along the trail. She'd call me all the time when I was in towns and hear about them or see them on video chats or mm-hmm. what have you. So uh, she's like, it's so cool to like actually meet these people and put faces to them. And then my other friend who came with us doesn't hike at all, but she just wanted to, she wanted to come, um, cause she wanted to meet these people. Cause again, she's like, these are just, they've all of a sudden become your people and you didn't know them three and a half months ago or, or well, by the time we saw them, it was five months ago, but, um, and two of them I had been with since day one. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So we met in the hostel and we started together day one and then one of them we met on day five. So we had been together for a long time. Um, and so my girlfriends, when we got back to the car, they were like, we want to do that every year. Like go do trail magic for people at this Northern Terminus. So I think that we're going to probably do it. Like go to Manning Park and maybe offer people rides back to Vancouver or even hike into the Terminus and just celebrate with people, bring them beer or what have you. But yeah, they were very excited afterwards. They thought it was a pretty cool experience. Brought them a little bit of a connection to what I had just been doing. Um, yeah, I we joke because I keep saying I'm going to write a book about my experience. And they were like, we're going to be in your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll see if I ever get there. <laughs> <clears throat> Do you see yourself being back down at the Southern Terminus <laughs> or the Northern Terminus. And I mean, maybe not 2021 or 2025 or, you know, but, but at some point, because uh, it sounds like up to that point, like there's always pain associated with the trail and, and hiking it and whatever, but you were successfully hiking the trail. Yeah. <sighs> That's the question. Everyone asked me that. So I don't it changes. It changes daily. Um, yeah, basically like the day I decided that I was going to get off trail, I, there was only one other day before that, that I was like, this is it. I'm, I might get off trail. Like other than that, there was even on the hardest day, I was like, that sucked, but I never thought about getting off trail. The only other day before I actually decided was one of the days where my butt was infected and it was really hard to walk. <laughs> Um, but I got over it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know when I got off trail, I said, no, like I was still in Mount Shasta and I was like, no, it, I, I just, I just believe that it was like, I don't need, I don't need a redo. You know, it was, it was perfect the way it was and it sucks that it ended, but I didn't need a redo. And then I kind of wavered and I, I got into a little bit of post-trail depression and I was like, uh, like, I feel like I should go back. Like there's so many sections that I missed that I always wanted to do like goat rocks and Mount Rainier. But then I was like, well, I live in BC, so I can easily just go down for a couple of weeks and do some of those sections. But now it's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. (laughs) It might not be my next trail though. I, I, 
like long distance trail has always still been in the, the, the process. Like after I finish that, I'm like, okay, I can do it. Maybe I won't come back to the PCT, but I will do another trail. Um, but now I'm thinking maybe, yeah, but I won't go northbound. I think if I do it again, I'll go southbound because I loved, I love the quietness of this year. We kept mm, saying, yeah. we kept saying how, especially in the desert, we couldn't imagine 50 people starting, how congested it would be for 50 people starting at the Southern Terminus every day. Yeah. And it's, we just, I don't know. I, I mean, it's sad that the pandemic happened, but it was really cool that there wasn't very many people on the trail. Um, and it was even cool that there weren't very many trail angels out or anything like that. We felt, we kept joking about how it's a pre-wild um, sort yeah. of experience, right? I mean, there still were lots of trail angels and there were still lots of lovely people who helped us out, even people who didn't know anything about the PCT. It was amazing how many people would still give us rides or take us in and they didn't actually even know anything about the PCT, but, um, yeah, I think I would do it southbound just to get that quietness and, um, like we did this year. Cause I think it might be a little overwhelming to do it during a normal year now, now that I've done it during a quiet year, but yeah, 50 people starting every day <laughs> for days and weeks. And depending upon when you start like a month in front of you, like, yeah, it's, it, I, I guess in, in my head, it's, it, it's probably the analogy is not perfect, but it, it probably is a little bit like a war zone, you know, well, in so much as the, the, you're doing the trail and there are people who are successful, but there are also people who are just getting spit out every different direction. Yeah. It's like, it's like trying to run a marathon, right? And you're just trying to like weave past all these people just to like, you know, get some space to yourself. I know we were saying that, um, in the beginning when we were finding, uh, places to camp. We would try to find places where you can fit four or five people because that was our group in the beginning. And I was like, I couldn't imagine if there were 50 other people trying to camp in these, like within these 10 miles, like where would everyone go? Where would everyone poop? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's kind of, but seriously, we were just like, oh, there's so much open space and not all of it is where you can camp because it's rocky or there's mm -hmm. bushes or what have you. And when we did find a nice space, we were like, oh, we can maybe fit like two more people over here. But like, where would everyone go? Be... And when we did catch up to like a little random bubble, we were like, okay, we're going to keep going to find, you know, to find a place to camp. But like, imagine a, imagine a real year. <laughs> but I mean, it works out, I guess, but yeah, well, and everybody's experience, everybody's trail is different mm -hmm. depending upon the year, depending upon the time, depending upon the week or the day, you know, that you're passing through things. Um, totally. Well, we even said that it's crazy how we just did the same miles and hiked the exact same trail in the same day. But for all of us, it was totally different because someone saw a bear, someone saw a rattlesnake, but the other people didn't see it. Or someone noticed this plants, but these people didn't notice it. Someone took a wrong way. We didn't even know what way they could have gone, like things like that. Right. So even just from same day, same sort of elements, same trail. And we all had a totally different experience within those like 10 hours. So, so I can't imagine different years. <laughs> Yeah, which to me is almost a little bit of the draw of the trail because yeah. 
or any, and, and honestly, any trail and doing the trail multiple times, because every time you do the trail, it's going to be a different experience. Um, yeah, it, it reminds me like you talking about being with your, some of your family from like the very beginning. Yeah. How random it is. And yet it also doesn't feel random as well. Yeah. And you know what? It was so funny because my plan was not to have a trail family from day one. <laughs> I was going into this like, uh, like I'm open to meet people, but I'm just going to start and do my own thing. Hopefully I meet like a core group of like at least three people that I can maybe head into the Sierras with um, for river crossings because I didn't know what to expect sort of thing. Um, but day one, I mean, pandemic helped push us together, but... <laughs> And it really did because I started early. I started a week early. They started like three weeks early. Someone started late. Like, so I think there was only one person in our trail family actually started on the day. Mm-hmm. And someone else in our trail family came into it in Tehachapi and he wasn't even planning on doing the trail that year. He just, because of the pandemic, got onto the trail to do a section, met us and was like, I'm going to keep going with you guys. He did it last year. So, <laughs> And he was with them till the end. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, pandemic kind of helped push the the seven of us who kind of for the core trail family mm-hmm. at the end kind of pushed us all together. So. so what flipped in your head from I'll meet people, but I'm doing <laughs> this alone. I, you know, that is my goal here to, I've got these two people I started with and we're the start of a trail family. <laughs> I think just the way everything started, it, I mean, A, you can't really have too many expectations on the trail because like it will never be, it, it'll surpass your expectations, but it'll never be what you expected. Everything's going to, it's going to be different. Your experience, uh, the people that you meet, uh, what the weather is going to be like, how you're going to react in the snow, like all, all that stuff. Um, you're never going to, you can't, you just can't expect anything. You kind of just got to let it go and go with the flow. And from day one, when I realized I was a starting a week earlier than I thought, and I was already starting early, I think to start in March, but I was starting a week earlier than I thought it was a pandemic. I had no idea if I was going to be able to finish, get kicked off. The trails were going to close. Yosemite was closed in front of us. So we were every day. It was like, is Yosemite open yet? Is Yosemite open yet? And just as we were leaving Kennedy Meadows South, they opened uh, Yosemite for the PCT trail only. Wow. So we lucked out. We actually did not have to skip a single section because of trail closures. We were so lucky because there were trails closing behind us and there were trails closing in front of us and they were opening and closing. So we lucked out. We did not have to like, yeah, we didn't have to skip anything. So that was kind of nice. Um but I think just from the beginning with the whole, okay, get on a plane, go, okay, I'm staying at this hostel. Oh, I'm meeting these hikers. Oh, we're starting the trail tomorrow. I was just like, I'm just le- letting it go with the flow. I'm leaving all expectations, everything that I had planned for this. And I'm just going to take it as it is. And if I don't hike with these people in a week, I don't see them again for a week, whatever. But we clicked and they're great. And we're still friends. We video chat. They're back in the UK. They're in lockdown. We chat all the time. <laughs> We still have a group text going with our whole trail family. So, yeah. So I think just like, yeah, you just have to let go of the expectation and just let it be the adventure that it's meant to be. 
I, I'm paraphrasing this, but uh, it's almost like uh, you make plans or or we make plans and the trail laughs. Yeah. Yeah, man. Life laughs at you for making plans, <laughs> especially this year. <laughs> None of you going to yeah. do what you wanted to. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, there's so much, there's so much unknown on the trail. Like you never know what's going to happen. Like, who, whoever would have thought that I would have grown Elliot in my shoulder and have to get off the trail because of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought for sure if I got off the trail for injury or because I broke an ankle or something, like I didn't, I didn't think I would have an infection growing inside of me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and in addition <laughs> to Elliot, yeah. to, to carrying Elliot with you for a while, <laughs> You also seem to be traveling along with this oh, little dude. Yeah. <laughs> Who is You're, this? That's Dofi. Dofi. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he hiked with me for the first 200 miles. He went home when we had to get off, um, when we got off trail in Banning because of the snowstorms. Um, Why do you go home? Because uh, he just kept jumping out of my backpack. <laughs> he he didn't like it uh, you know he was pretty heavy um I don't know I thought I thought I could hack it um I mean I probably would have if he didn't just keep jumping out of my backpack I even had like a lasso like I had taken one of my straps and tied it around him and tied it to my backpack but then he'd still shimmy out and like just be dangling he was very difficult he was fine until we got through the snow and the snow in San Jacinto uh he just, every time I post hold, he like flipped out of the backpack. So, uh, he broke his hat off when we were in, oh God. uh, where were we? Uh, Julian, he, he took my backpack off and he flew out into the road and broke his hat off. So he's duct taped his hat back on. So he, he couldn't make it. So he got shipped home in hindsight. I should have brought him to the Northern terminus with me though, but I didn't think about it. But yeah, he's my traveling gnome. So he's been to Hawaii. He's been to Mexico. Took him to Sunshine Coast when I lived there. He, he's been hiking with me. He went hiking in Alberta. And so, but that was his longest. He made it 200 miles. So, <laughs> and then he went home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was dopey. <laughs> yeah, people made fun of me for him, but people also really loved him. So. I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. He's quite, I mean, well, he's a gnome. He's quite he the character. Yeah, he is. And he's grumpy. Like He looks grumpy. Yeah, he is. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. he's, he looks like he's basically looking at you, which honestly, in retrospect, would have been the perfect, uh, the perfect person to have with you <laughs> if you were truly hiking this alone, because it's a little bit like uh, Tom Hanks and Wilson. You know, yeah. what I mean? like you have that person to talk to. Definitely. De I mean, normally when I go hiking, it's my dog, but I didn't have my dog on the PCT. So it was Dofi. Um, yeah, we had, I had fun with him, took some pictures of him doing some weird things, sent them to my mom. But <laughs> yeah, he, uh, now nah, he, he couldn't hack it. So we sent him home. <laughs> yeah. It was, I, I was love how it's day. about him. Yeah, it was a sad day, but, you know, we put him in his little box and shipped him off with a bunch of other gear we didn't need. So, <laughs> How was your gear choices versus uh, what you actually ended up using? 
Yeah. So I am like a creature of habit. Um, so once I'm, I'm using something, I don't like to trade it out for something else. Um, so I took a lot of my gear that I'd been backpacking with for a couple of years. Um, so, I mean, I stuck with, I had a Sierra Designs tent, two-person tent. It was a little bit on the heavier side, but I wanted the extra space. Um, and it was like a trekking pole setup mm-hmm. tent, so not a freestanding tent. Um, and I loved it. It was big. It was great in the snow and the rain, everything. But I did switch it out for a tarp because I wanted to try tarp um, camping. Yeah. So, I, uh, you know what? I Because I had to go home. <laughs> I didn't really get to test it out as much as I really wanted to. I liked what I got to use of it, but I did keep my tent until the end of the Sierras. And then I got the tarp in. Okay. Yeah. So I got the tarp in like, Lake Tahoe. So I got a tarp with like a bug net bivy. Um, I, I really like cowboy camping. So I, anytime I could, I cowboy camped. And then I just had the tarp. I only actually set up the tarp maybe like five times. So I didn't really get to test it out, but I'm going to test it out this spring in, in BC. So we're going to see how that goes. But um, yeah, I switched out my backpack, but that was because my other backpack broke. My load lifter snapped off when we were on. Oh. Yeah, we were on Mount Baden Powell and my load lifter snapped halfway up the mountain. <laughs> so I had um, zip ties with me. So I zip tied my <laughs> backpack together. And then I called Two Fit Adventures, which I cannot stress enough how amazing they are. Two Fit Adventures outfitters. They normally, I think, are in like a little van or camper or something. And they go up to Kennedy Meadows North, I believe. And But they were not doing that this year because of COVID. But they were still doing online orders. So I just emailed them. They shipped me a new backpack. Two days later, it was great. So Did you do the same backpack or did you take a no. chance with something else? I took a chance of something else, but I had met someone who had just ordered a new backpack too. So I got to try it on. So I got the Sierra Wilderness Design uh, Rough 50 or something like that. I don't know. Um, or not Sierra, Superior Wilderness Design. Um, I love it. I still have it. I'll probably get another one. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I do love it. Other than that, I think I stuck with everything that... I took down, I started with a Sawyer squeeze. I would recommend it. I switched though, but only because I couldn't get a new Sawyer. Um, I'm pretty sure mine froze in the Sierras. So <laughs> I think all of ours froze in the Sierras to be perfectly honest. So we all got new, new water filters in uh, South Lake Tahoe, um, but they didn't have any Sawyer squeezes. So then I upgraded to the Be Free. Um, which is fine, but I did really like the Sawyer squeeze. So. Is the Be Free a like a gravity filter, or is it a? No, it's um, it's the same idea, but it has um, it comes with like the little soft pack that you squeeze, ah. but it's the same idea as the Sawyer squeeze. Basically, it just Got attaches it. to a soft pack. Um, yeah, I can't remember the brand that it is, like Ketadine or something like that. I could get you the name for it. I have it still. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I Ketadine are probably yeah. Yeah, maybe that's I what think it is. Ketadine is. But um, I recommend the Sawyer though. The Ketadine was okay, but I did like the Sawyer. Yeah. But out there, you got to be flexible. Yeah, you do. Yeah, 
but none of that. I mean, we were very limited because a lot of places are closed and stuff like yeah. that. So we were very limited to what we could and couldn't get. But um, I mean, there was nothing. There's nothing wrong with it, and I still use it. And I have it in my backpack. But I did really enjoy the Sawyer squeeze. I never go with the Sawyer Mini though. I didn't have it, but we watched this guy struggle for so <laughs> many miles before he upgraded socks he had and he's this big man and he's like squeezing it so hard just to get tiny little trickle out that we just made fun of him for so long and then he finally upgraded to the Sawyer (laughs) it was pretty funny I've heard a lot of people for the mini it's it can't sustain it doesn't seem to be able to sustain the trip yeah like it it either gets clogged up or it breaks or you know, whatever, but it, it's not quite sufficient for the type of journey that a through hike is. Yeah. I mean, I can't, like, I don't have any firsthand experience, but I tell you, it was amusement enough just watching someone else try to use it that I was like, I'll never get that, but I'm sure happy that you have it because our lunchtime, it provided a lot of lunchtime entertainment watching this guy try to filter water. He kept saying, oh, but I, I, I like just taking my time filtering water. You're like, yeah, right. You're struggling right now. Nice try. We have an excuse for everything. Yeah, right. I mean, you, you got to. I had an excuse for bringing Dofi, so. <laughs> what did people say to you? Like when you pull him out, when you pulled him out, like even on the first day. I didn't even then- have to pull him out. He was in my side pocket so you could see him. <laughs> People are like, oh, I had people go, oh, you're the gnome girl. And I was like, what? I'm so surprised I didn't get like tagged with some na- trail name because of him right in the beginning. Because <laughs> people just be, oh, you're the girl with the gnome. We heard about you. I was like, what? Like, and there wasn't very many people even on the trail. Sorry, I keep ripping these things out. And no there worries. wasn't even very many people on the trail at that point. And people were like, oh, you're the gnome girl. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm the gnome girl. I almost wonder if maybe like they saw me on Instagram post something. Or, they have to. Yeah. So, uh, no, people kind of, they thought it was funny. I just kind of told them the story behind Sophie and they thought it was funny. And then everyone would be like, how much does he weigh? Let's see. I'm like, I didn't weigh him on purpose because I didn't want to know. He was heavy though. He's like made of like ceramic ceramic, right (laughs) Uh, I bet you he weighed at least three pounds (laughs) I would guess yeah I bet you he was like I bet you he was heavier than my tent for sure (laughs) so ridiculous he was he was the luxury item yeah he was the luxury item. yeah (laughs) what what did your trail name end up being uh, I had two trail names, but it actually ended up being Frosty. Um, they they called me Goats for a while because I'm obsessed with goats. And I told this story uh, during, where were we? Oh, the um, the aqueduct. So it was like that really long stretch we were night hiking. And I'm telling this story about all these, because there were goats at the beginning that we saw. And I was telling everyone how obsessed with goats I was and I showed them this video of me crying over not being able to see the goats is it's ridiculous and so two of the guys started calling me goats and it was goats for a while until I ripped my butt open and then they named me frosty buns and I was like yeah I'm I'm not using the buns part they're like well we'll just call you frosty then so I got frosty I don't know if you can see oh yeah (laughs) yeah the snowflakes nice (laughs) so that's your tattoo for the trail? 
Yeah. It's my trail memento. I mean, I still, I have scars to prove it, but (laughs) (laughs) I can't see those. (laughs) You look at that tattoo. What (laughs) does it make you think of? It makes me think of Elliot actually. (laughs) So, um, I don't know. I still, cause I still think that's where he came from. Uh, (laughs) but no, it, I don't know. It's just, it was such a good time out there. So it's as much as it sucked to leave the trail. I'm so grateful for every experience before the day of leaving the trail. And even after, like, I'm so grateful for being able to hike in and see my trail family and to perform trail magic and see, yeah, just to see all their faces again before they all went home. And yeah. Well, and that, that's a beautiful segue. Thank you, Jess. Um, (laughs) To, the, the word that you used in sort of your summarizing the experience seemed to be gra- gratitude. Yeah. Or being, being grateful. Yeah. I think that, I mean, 2021 or 2020 got a lot of people down, I think. And I was very fortunate enough to be out on this trail and not experience the beginning of the lockdown. And as much as everyone else was experienced at home, like, we were in the wild for most of it. So we didn't get the social media updates that everyone was getting. I mean, when we got to town, we did, but we weren't watching the news every day or getting a newspaper, watching social media update and seeing not even just with the pandemic, but all this other crazy stuff that was going on in the world. And we had a, we had a no news rule while we were out there. So um, the only news that we'd listened to is Kit would find ridiculous news stories, like five-year-old stole parents minivan to go buy himself a Ferrari, um, made it a block. <laughs> uh, guy I remember gets, that story. Guy gets killed by cow in the UK. Something like that. Those are the only news stories that we wanted to listen to. So we called home. We like, we don't want to hear what's happening. The only thing we wanted to know if this border was open or not, <laughs> but um, yeah, so we didn't like, yeah, no news in the hotel room. We didn't want to hear about it when we called home. We tried to avoid it as much as we could on social media. We stuck to the still hiking PCT 2020 page for any information or trail updates or situations happening on trail. Um, And so when I talked to friends and family at home, they're just so sad all the time. And I felt bad because I was out here having this beautiful experience with this new family that I've created and kind of a like not ignorant to it because I knew it was happening, but like being able to be blissfully ignorant towards it um, for a small period of time anyways, at least for those five days that you're out of reception <laughs> um, or out of a town. Um, and then when I came home, we kind of went through the whole lockdown series again shortly and I kind of got to see what other people are experiencing and I just wanted to kind of okay I don't want to get into this sad sad like feelings that I know a lot of people were going through so I'm just kind of reflect and see what I am grateful for like 2020 through like Elliot at me and my butt at me and I broke my toe before I started the trail yes you did um like all these like weird random things um And yeah, I had to go to the hospital and like face one of my biggest fears ever of getting needles every day and poked and prodded and tubes hanging out of me. And so I just really wanted to like kind of put a positive spin on it. Um, Like, 
yeah, I got poked and prodded, but I'm alive. I had amazing doctors who advocated for me. Like there are so many times where I hear people like go in in pain and the doctors don't find out what's wrong with them and no one listens to them. My doctors listened to me. My doctors found out what was happening and they got on it and they fixed me right away. And yeah, and I'm grateful for like my family who supported me like on the trail, off the trail, who still supports me, who helped me out in the ho- when I was in the hospital, who like my friends who were quote unquote proud of me, even though I was doing something that like was super selfish to be perfectly honest, hiking the trail. But um, so I just really wanted to kind of like keep reflecting on that while everything in the world is, you know, not, not the greatest right now, but just there's so much still to be grateful for. And I mean, if I even want to put a more positive spin on it, if I didn't start the trail in 2020 during a pandemic, I never would have met the people that I met on trail. Cause like, I was, I started early. I was supposed to start a week later. Some people started early because of the pandemic. Some people started later because I never would have met that core group of people. And I, I'm, and I'm so like, they're friends for life. I'm so grateful to have met these people. They, they made that experience on trail. Like the trail's beautiful. And if I go back, it's going to be just as beautiful, but like, it's the people, I'm sure you've heard this before. You have heard this before. <laughs> I, I know you have, because I listened to your podcast. Like it's the people that you meet out there that are, they just, they just make it such a rad experience. And when you find your people on trail, oh, it's just, it, there's so great. There's some of the most beautiful souls I've ever met. So yeah, I just think that I'm, and I'm trying to stay positive too. Like I still get sad about not being able to finish the trail, but I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful that it was there. I'm grateful that it will be there if I ever want to complete it. <laughs> I keep joking about if I can just get across the border for March, I can, or for July, I can just go southbound and finish that last part that I finished. And I'm like, ah, but I know I'll just keep going. <laughs> I was going to say, do you really think you'll stop at Shasta no, or? 100%. Or at yeah. Tahoe, South Lake Tahoe? Yeah. Hundred percent. No, I'll keep going. Yeah. <laughs> how do you feel, or how do you think that the people that you ended up hiking with, the tramley that you ended up hiking with, how did those people change you? Do you think? Uh, I. Hmm, that's a good question. You know, so many people ask me how the trail has changed me. No one's ever asked me how the people I met on trail have changed. That's a really good question. Cause my answer is always like the trail didn't change me. The trail brought me a new perspective, but it really didn't change me as a person. But, uh, oh, those beauties. <laughs> I really think that we just had this, we had this really well oiled machine on trail. And I've, I've heard people talk about, how like a trail family has like a pot of energy and sometimes you're low in energy and sometimes other people are high in energy and you're just pulling from the pot, right? Someone's high in energy. So they're pulling you along for the ride, but and vice versa. So you have this pool of energy and everyone in our group was so positive, so positive. And it just made me think, Hey, it made me think I'm generally a really negative person, even though I know I'm not, but because there's so much positivity around me, I'm like, Whoa, I'm, I'm so I'm for once in my life surrounded by so many positive people. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that 
in everyday life, you are surrounded by positive people, but there's so much other things to get them down that maybe the positivity doesn't shine as much. But when you're out on the trail, you don't have any worries. The only worry is like, do you have enough food to make it to town? And where's the next water source? <laughs> like, And I mean, is there a storm coming? This is your only worries. So you have, you have nothing that you really need to be negative about. And it just really being around these people who are positive, so positive all the time, like, Socks used to say PMA, baby, PMA, PMA, positive mental attitude. So <laughs> positive mental attitude. He said it so much on trail. And I try to remember that in everyday life, like just PMA, PMA, positive mental attitude. Like, so I think that just being with these people have, I've tried to bring more of that positivity in my life. Like I like to think that I'm a positive person, but you know, work gets you down, family gets you down you know, get in a fight with a friend, gets you down, relationship, whatever. So I just try to reflect on that, like, be grateful for what I have, be positive, be one of those people that I just loved being around all the time. Like, just bring that into my everyday life. Because like we say that the trail's not real life, but like the attitude that you bring can be real life. You just got to bring it. So. Yeah, it's the, the trail isn't real life, but it is real life. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the person that you are on the trail can be, which most people seem to fall in love with, honestly. Yeah. Can it's be the best version of yourself. Yes, exactly. And you can be that best version of yourself all the time. And it's funny because I meet these people on trail who are probably being the best versions of themselves. But these are the people I know. I don't know what they're like back home. And they could be exactly the same or they could be totally different. Like um, Kit and Alphonse, they're back in the UK. They're in lockdown. I, I am picturing that they are the exact same people that they are on trial. And I mean, when we talk, they seem to be the exact same people that they were on trial. So I'm, I'm positive that they are. But just like, just remembering to always be that best version of yourself. It like strips you to the core when you're out on the trail. Like, I mean, you can also be your worst on your worst day. You could be the worst version of yourself as well. Like you asked my team who I was on the day that we summited the um, John Muir pass. That was my, that was my worst day. I was so crabby. I was so crabby. I was sick of post selling. I was so cold. I bet you my trail family was like, yeah, worst version of herself for sure that day. <laughs> uh, I got over it really fast, but, <laughs> but like, yeah, you can. So when you're on trail, you see yourself in that, that positive light. And like, now I think if you can see yourself and recognize yourself, it might be easier to plug it back into your everyday life. Sometimes all the clutter just needs to be moved away and for you to be able to see like how happy you can actually be. Yeah. And that does seem to generally be easier to do on the trail. Oh yeah. Cause there's nothing like, I mean, there's really limited things that you have to worry about. They have to worry about or that you're influenced by, or like you don't have the luxury of like, just flipping through social media or <laughs> online shopping or going into work and, you know, being pissed off because something happened that is out of your control or <laughs> dealing with traffic or any of that sort of stuff. Like, <laughs> so. Did you ever, were you ever out there 
and thinking how simple this all is, you know, all the time, all the time. We literally would wake up and go, wow, we have such a weird life. Like all we do is we, all we're living with is the stuff on our back. And every morning we wake up and pack it all up the exact same way we did yesterday. And we hike and like our little family, even if we didn't like, even if we didn't camp in the same sections together, we'd always have kind of an idea. Okay. So we're going to hike for a few hours and we're going to have a coffee break. Then we're going to hike for a few hours and have a lunch break. So if someone was ahead of us, they would plan where our coffee break would be and they'd write it in the sands, the mile marker. So they write it in the sand or in the dirt and they'd be like, draw a little coffee cup and then write, you know, mile, like mile 1300 or 1301 or whatever. So then we'd get there, have a coffee break all together, continue, have a lunch break, keep going, camp. Like, and then we did that every single day, every day. And we had no worries. We just had to know where we were going to camp. And sometimes we didn't even know that. Know where our next water source was. If we were going to have enough food to make it to town. And if not, do we have to get to town sooner? (laughs) Pull bigger days. Where the next stop is for beer. um, That was always a big one. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just, it was so, it's so simple. I'm like, hmm, right now I'd be going to the gym then I'd be going to work <laughs> and out here, you're just like, we're just doing the same thing over and over, but never seeing the same thing twice. Yeah. Like you're just, you're moving on. You're just, okay. We packed up our home. Now we're going to go find another home, pack up our home, find another home. And it's just so simple. And it really just makes you realize how little you actually need to like yeah. be to be truly happy too, right? Not just to live, but to actually be happy. You really yeah. don't need anything. Like my, after I got rid of Dofi, like my biggest luxury was my pillow. <laughs> so. Well, and I think like being in this quarantine time, you know, like I haven't worn jeans in a year. I have <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, I end up wearing the same things over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I look at the rest of my closet and I'm like, honestly, if this were the, if this was life and you know, whatever, I could get rid of probably 75% of my clothes and all of the rest of it because I just, I don't need it. Yeah. Well, actually we were just saying uh, the other day, a girl that I work with, I was like, I have done my makeup twice since March. Once was when I came home because my parents, I was in the hospital for my birthday. So my parents took me out for my birthday, did my makeup. And once was for my coworker's birthday. We went out for her birthday. I was like, I feel like, I I mean, I don't wear a lot of makeup to start with, but because like my job's active and I work out and hike a lot. So I don't usually wear makeup in everyday life, but um, I, I do normally go out and put like a little bit of blush on my cheeks or whatever. And she's like, well, let's just start wearing makeup to sit around the campfire at my house. <laughs> so last weekend we did our hair and makeup and we're in our pajamas while like chilling around a campfire. Cause we also like, everything's open here, but you actually can't hang out with anyone outside of your household. So you can't go to the bars unless you live with them, stuff like that. So you like, you can only really hang out. You can't even have social gatherings outside. So you can go for a walk with someone or a hike or whatever, but you're not allowed to like, go to someone's house or 
have a party in the park or whatever you want to do. So, so we just started doing our makeup to like sit around because we just wanted to feel pretty one day, (laughs) but but you really don't need it. (laughs) Yeah. We just felt like, well, we wanted to do something nice for ourselves. (laughs) Well, it's funny how, because of what this year has been or, or became, how that switched. So as opposed to it being something that you have to do every day to leave the house, you know, whatever, it became something that you got to do that was fun. Yeah. You guys are having fun with it, with your pajamas around this campfire and that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it changes your perspective, right? Like I'm really, yeah. yeah, Like what's important and stuff. So I mean, yeah. not that like doing our makeup is important, but it was, it was fun to, it was fun to do for us. So yeah. Cause normally you're like, oh, on the weekends, you're like, oh, I have to go out again. Now I have to do my makeup stuff. And now we're like, we want to do our makeup. We haven't done it in a year. It's a fun job now. A fun task. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're just, oh, we'll just do our makeup to Snapchat each other. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Did yeah. you get, did you ever get a picture of in my head, when you were talking about your, uh, the trail, your trail family and terms of how you guys would plan your days and mm. that the person in front would like do a little coffee cup and then put the mile or whatever. Yeah. It was funny in my head. I I've designated them as the cruise director, but <laughs> it was always someone different though. So it wasn't always one person. It was always someone different. But yeah, we got pictures. Are you asking if we got pictures yes. like in the sand? Yeah, definitely. So I have one picture and I, I can send them to you after. I'm, I think they're on my computer. Um, so it's got like a little coffee cup with a mile marker. And then I have another picture. And it was when they were trying to figure out a new trail name for me um, because of my butt. Um, and I was a little bit behind them because I was having issues walking, obviously. Um, I had caught up to... Uh, uh, shepherd and socks at a lake when they were having lunch and they were like, okay, the others went way ahead because they want to go to town early the next day, but um, we're going to camp in about eight miles. Can you make it eight miles? I was like, yeah, sure. So then they had left a little like tent sign with, with a mile marker for me. So I knew exactly where they were. And then they wrote hot cheeks on it. <laughs> But we had met a hot cheeks already on trail earlier. Um, they hadn't, but my other, the other part of our group met them like way early. She wasn't on trail anymore. So you can't call me hot cheeks. Someone else is hot cheeks. And I just, I don't want the association. And they're like, okay. So they're trying to think of something else. But I also have the hot cheeks one written in the sands that's posted somewhere. <laughs> so I can send you both of them because I would I, love them. Yeah. They're, they're pretty cute. Yeah. <laughs> Was anybody else doing? the little pictures in the sand type of thing. So it's funny because in the desert, there was someone doing little like notes and stuff in the sand for obviously their group. And then way later we found out it was um, socks and the guys that they were with, but we hadn't, they were ahead of us and we hadn't yet caught up to them. So randomly we were telling this story about how we saw a note in the sand that says, Burgers close at five. And I was like, and we're on like on this hilltop in this in the desert. And we're like, what the hell does this mean? Burgers close at five. And then we realized that there was a malt shop 
um, a little ways ahead that sell burgers. We didn't go there, but we didn't realize this until later. And so we're telling this story because we were joking because we were racing with someone behind us, like having little friendly competitions. And we, because they were smokers. So we were going to write free cigarettes this way to send them off trail. Like as a joke, we were talking about that. So we're discussing this. And Socks goes, I wrote that. Burgers close at five. He's like, that was for Rapunzel like, or to make to make sure that he knew we were going to the malt shop and it closed at five. And this was like hundreds of miles after we had been hiking with them. <laughs> we were like, but we weren't with them yet. We hadn't met them yet. So, um, so Cody was really the one who was like right in the, in the sand. They were the only other ones we saw writing notes in the sand. But then we found out all these notes that we were finding were from him. From him. <laughs> yeah. But after this episode, other people will probably start doing it as well. Yeah, I'm sure people do, but there were just so few people in front of us that we didn't really see. We were one of, because we did start quite early. We were one of like, the I think the first, like, I think there was only like 10 people ahead of us in the Sierras. So we, there wasn't, there wasn't a ton of people in front of us. So yeah, we didn't see a lot of people. We went, we went a long time without seeing strangers. I'm sure for, for many different reasons in this case. Yeah. I remember this one time it was the day we were going into town, we were going into mammoth. And so there's a bunch of like other lakes and like trailheads and stuff going into the trail. And I was hiking alone. There was a couple guys ahead of me and a couple and like some of our group behind us and I'm hiking along. And then all I like stopped to get a snack out. And then there's this guy who I I don't know, like it's just a random hiker and he's got a backpack on. So he's obviously doing some sort of like overnight hike or whatever. And I hadn't seen a stranger in like five days and, and it felt like so much longer. And I literally could not talk to him. I, he must've thought I was the biggest idiot. I was like, uh, hi. And he's like, Hey, where did you come from? I was like, uh, my old, like, ate something like I like whatever mile marker we camped at and he's like um okay and I was like I'm sorry I'm a PCT hiker I came from like 10 miles that way and he goes oh okay so where did you start I was like today or like Mexico I started in Mexico and I was like oh my god this guy thinks I'm the biggest idiot right now I just couldn't put together a sentence or even fathom talking. He's like, okay, well, where are you going? And then I told him and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going that way too. And I was like, cool. I'll see you later. And he's like, yeah. And he was gone. I was like, I'm never (laughs) going to see that guy ever again. He just thinks I'm the biggest weirdo. And I'm telling my trail family this like, no way you saw a day hiker. Yeah, I saw a day hiker and I didn't know how to talk. That somehow they just fell, all my words fell out of me. (laughs) Like I had no idea. It was know. like seeing a UFO. Yeah, it it was so bizarre. I, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, there are spots on the trail where obviously you see a lot mm-hmm. of day hikers, especially when you're taking passes into town. But I don't know why it was just it just caught me off guard season because I was in the dead of the woods. I was nowhere like where I thought there was any like trails to coming off the mountain. But he had done like an overnight hike somewhere and was hiking back, so. Uh, yeah, it was weird. It's like, it's really weird to see people. Uh, when we were in South Lake Tahoe, it was the first time everything was like open. 
And we were like, oh my God, there's so many people. Like we felt, uh, we we just felt like there was too many people. We were overstimulated. (laughs) Well, and I think that that's a common thing after being on the trail for a while to coming back. Like everything feels like (laughs) really poor analogy, but after basically being in my house for most of last year, it's very slow in my house, you know? So, so going outside and driving around, it just, it feels like things are moving really fast. Yeah. And that's the trail personified. Totally. Like even coming home after the trail, it took me a while to adjust to like people calling me all the time or wanting to come see me. I'm like, no, I, I told actually, when I came home, I told my friends just to let you know, I came off trail going to quarantine for two weeks. I do not want to talk about it. I'll call you when I'm ready. And they, they did respect that. A couple of my friends came over and like brought me coffees or snacks or treats or whatever. Cause I knew I was quarantined, <laughs> some painkillers. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was just like, I can't, like, I cannot handle all these, like, like my phone all of a sudden ringing. Cause no one called me when I was on trail. Right. Mm-hmm. I get little text messages like, Hey, call me when you're in your next town. I want to see what's going on. But like, I, I was just like, I can't handle this. Take my phone away. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more about Muir Pass. Oh, uh, that was such a bad day for me. Uh, yeah, it just, it just was like a whole like day of post-holing, 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 post-holing. This is the worst thing on trail for me was post-holing. I mean, I'm... <laughs> I I like the snow. I like I live in BC. I snowboard. I love the snow. I hate post holing so much. And I knew this was going to be an issue for me on the trail. And I just like John Muir Pass was like all post holing. You couldn't see a trail. There were no tracks. Uh, it had snowed since the last group in front of us had gone through. Um, so we woke up early, and right away. We get to this area where we're climbing up the side of a mountain, clearly not where the trail goes. We're climbing up the side of the mountain and I'm like, do I follow them or do I just figure out my own way? And there's two people ahead of me. I was like, I'm just going to follow them because I'm not going to be the idiot. It goes a different way and ends up like falling through the snow or something. They made it up so I can make it up. And I take one step and my foot goes through the snow and into like a fucking river, sorry, (laughs) into a river underneath me. So my whole leg is wet. I'm like panicking. Also my anxiety level is like up to here. I'm freaking out. There's water underneath me. So from right first, like 10 minutes of the day, I'm already like, I'm going to die today. (laughs) Um, and then it was just long and slow and a lot of post holding and a lot of guessing where the rivers were running underneath you and a lot of route finding that wasn't going very well for all of it. We all took different paths. And there was only one person who seemed to know the way, <laughs> like who seemed to pick the right path. Everyone who picked another path was like, this is the wrong way. This is the wrong way. Like there's a cliff here. There's a cliff here. There's water underneath me. And we were turning around and going through. And it was just a big mess. You could just look. And there was like group, small groups of people everywhere. <laughs> um And then I got really cold because I got soaked right in the beginning. And I don't do like, I get really cranky when I'm cold. It's, it's not, it's not my best quality. (laughs) (laughs) It's 
not my best quality. Um, I tend to run cold most of the time too. Uh, so I was just kind of, I get really quiet and really cranky. And I just like got to a point where um, the guys had stopped and they were helping Kit and myself across. So you're the only two girls with them. And they're helping us cross this like, this water area onto this rock. And the second I got onto the rock and felt like safe and was out of snow for a second, I just like had a meltdown. I was crying. And my friend Kit, she was like, it's okay. It's okay. I had a feeling like that yesterday. It's okay. Then contain myself and then go more. I was post holing. I got the bear can hitting me in the back of the head every time I post hold. And then, and then I got to another rock and I started crying. <laughs> so it got to a point where <laughs> we had lunch on this rock that's like out of the snow and we we're like trying to soak up as much sun as possible. And then a few of us decided, okay, we're going to, we're just going to keep going. Cause I just want to get out of the snow. So we go and we're like, okay, the trail follows this like Creek that we can like follow along. And we're like, screw this. We just walked into the Creek and just walked down the Creek. So we're like, we're not even going to follow trail. We just got into the water and just hiked through the water because <laughs> we were so sick of post holing. And so, I mean, so getting get, wet was better than post holing. It was actually warmer in the water than it was like post holing. I have no idea how, but like sometimes you'd post hole. And then because your legs are warm, once you post hole, if you don't, if you can't get your foot out in time, the snow around your leg starts to harden because it's like melting against the, your body heat. And then your shoes getting caught and you can't rip your leg out and you're using all your force to try to pull your leg out. And I just didn't have the force because I was exhausted from post holing all day. And so when someone suggested that we should just walk down the water, I was like, yes. Uh, let's walk through the water. So we just walk through the water. And if there was a snow bridge, we just kick out the snow bridge and walk through. And we can see the rest of our trail family, like staring at us from this rock. And later they were like, what were you guys doing? Like, we were not going to do that. So they took the snow. We took the water. We got down pretty fast. And I just said to the couple of people who were ahead, it was um, uh, Viking and socks and I, who were, we were hiking ahead of the other parts. I was like, I am just going to keep hiking until we're not in the snow anymore. And I was like, "This, we're going down. We're going to go below 10,000 feet. I'm, I'm going, I'm camping below snow today. So I think it was a 16 hour day all, all around, but we did get up early. So we did get to camp before it got dark, but we got to camp, had a fire. <laughs> so out of the snow, we were out of the snow. And once we got out of the snow, I, I, we took a break and I was like, keep going or like, yeah, three more miles, three more miles. So we were like really out of the snow. <laughs> we were probably about like five to six miles away from the snow. I was like, we're just, I'm just going to keep going. I'm like, okay, I got another three miles in me. Let's go. We're doing this. So we made it, the three of us made it another three miles and the rest of them camped a little ways back, but they got out of the snow too. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I'm done with the snow today. 16 hours in this. No, I'm getting out of it. <laughs> I am done. Yeah. I tend to get really like snappy too, which is not a good quality when I'm like cold and bitter. I've been hitting the head all day with a bear can. I named my bear can Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> my trail family doesn't know that. I never told anyone that. I just, every time it hit me, I was like, fuck Lucifer. <laughs> 
I hate that bear can. <laughs> I think that 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 emotion describes it for most people. <laughs> yeah. The bear can seems to be the least favorite piece of equipment ever in the history of trail of through yeah. hiking. You know what's funny is I've hiked with a bear can here, like because where like we have we have grizzlies, um, not where I live, but like if you go if you go exploring in BC, we have grizzlies. And I don't know, I, I don't really know if a grizzly is like interested in people food or if they get exposed to that a lot. But when I'm in grizzly country, I take a bear can, even though it's not required, just because I don't want a reason for a grizzly to be near me. The black bears and stuff, like I can do a bear hang and it's fine. Like they're not really going to bother us. I've grown up with black bears. They're fine, but I don't want the grizzlies around me. So I actually like my bear can or I did like my bear can until I had to carry it for 300 miles. And then I hated my bear can. I hate it so much. It still is in my garage. Like I don't look at it. It's in my garage. It's I'm not, we're not friends right now. So (laughs) we're not speaking. (laughs) Yeah, we're not. I'm still, I'm still on the outs with him, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Muir past day. That was hard day for me. But I still did not feel like I was going to get off trail, though. So it's good. And when you get to the end of the day and you're like, okay, that was hard. But, like, I I survived. I lived. I'm here. And tomorrow will hopefully be a better day. (laughs) Tomorrow we're out of snow. So. Yeah. Well, not really. Because you go up and down, right? (laughs) Yeah. You're not not ever out of snow. (laughs) It never truly ends ends I, I know there's a huge joke people are like there's no more snow now we're not in the sierras anymore i was like yeah right and then like we'd get text message from like someone who's like way ahead of us is like oh guys there's still snow in oregon <laughs> like they've got like little patches of snow that they have to go through and i was like oh well you're going into washington too so <laughs> yeah if you get really unlucky yeah this i was like hey I've been in Manning Park in August when it snowed. So you just never know. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. I, I grew up uh, in a small town. It's one of the stopping points, Leavenworth. And oh, yeah. it's true. I mean, you never know when you may get snow in the season. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's always a surprise. Especially in the mountains, right? There's such yeah. variable weather um, systems up there. So, yeah. Definitely. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that we should? Oh, so many things. Yeah. I don't know. I could, I mean, I could talk for hours and hours. We were talking, I was talking to people before coming on the podcast. Like, are you nervous? I'm like, yeah. Like, well, you do a good job of just talking about your trip to random strangers though. (laughs) Cause my friends, well, my friends like to tell people. So like when we go hiking, they like to tell, oh, we'll be all talking. And then they'll be like, oh, she did the Pacific Crest Trail this year. I'm like, thanks. And then then people are like, oh, how was that? I'm like, now I'm talking to this random stranger about my trip. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's anything. Okay. I don't, I don't know. I, like I said, I could talk for days, but yeah. Likewise. Um, your Your friends are proud of you. Or the, they're proud of you. They're proud of the experience, the the thing that you did. Yeah. It's funny because they say like, oh, I'm so proud. And they said that when I was on trail, like, I'm, I'm so proud of you. But then I was like, why? This is like the easiest thing. And like, it's not the easiest thing because you have all these hard challenges and you're doing all this stuff. But at the same time, it just mentally is the easiest thing. Like this, 
this is where I feel, I feel like I should have done this years ago. Like this is where I, that I, I mean, I feel like I could do it every year and be okay with that. I mean, I can't obviously for financial reasons and stuff, but right. um, yeah, everyone's like, oh, I'm so proud of you. Cause it's something I've wanted to do for six years, I think. So, um, and I just knew in my heart, like, okay, if I don't do this, I, this, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it. So I just need to do it. And if I don't make it, I don't make it. I mean, I didn't make it, but so, right. <laughs> um, but at least I tried. So <laughs> you got further than I did. Yeah. So, okay. So I know that you said that it's probably not in the cards for 2021 because of everything, but yeah. do you have a more concrete idea of when? Between 2023 and 2025. Okay. So that, that's my window now. Basically. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to stick with going northbound? At this point, probably. Okay. Um, I haven't thought about doing Sobo at this okay. point, but it's certainly not out of the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to train very differently or more extensively, much more extensively yeah. uh, to do Sobo just because you're, you know, it's, straight off the bat it's 30 miles just to get to the border and then you're in the mountains and um it's not like walking in the desert you can kind of take your time in the desert building up to things you sort of thrust into it yeah it's so yeah it's funny when you look at it from the other side it's just i mean i never went through that section but i i know our mountains in that area so they, it does seem like it would be a lot harder to start in the north for sure. Yeah. But you're doing, are you doing a lot of training for, you do right Ironmans, no. right? <laughs> oh, you're not doing anything right now. Not right now. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you got a few years now, so you can kind of put the training on hold for a bit. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, I have done Ironman, half Ironman in the past. Um, and I would love to do that again. Yeah. Honestly. Right now, I'm trying to focus on health. One of the one of the things that I've noticed about myself, and that I was noticing last year about myself, um, was having a difficult time building muscle, um, okay. and or and or keeping muscle. And so, right now, I'm really trying to focus on uh, that side of things and and getting strong again okay. type of thing. And I think yeah. that will, in the long run, that will help me Nobo or Sobo. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, it's a little bit more focused uh, attention right now yeah. or intention right now. Nice. That's awesome. I bet like having this podcast, you have, you just have so much more like knowledge and of the trail than, than a lot of people do actually going into it. Like, I felt like I felt like I had a pretty good handle on like the knowledge of the trail going into it. Um based on the fact that the people around me didn't really know what they were getting in for. They're like, wait, how did you know we were gonna need spikes for San Jacinto when there would be snow? I was like, oh well, I don't know. I looked it up six years ago. <laughs> like um what I did do is like yeah. when I first wanted like learned about the trail is I learned all about the trail and then I was like, Okay, I'm not I'm not learning anymore, and the rest will just be exciting. So, um, the knowledge that I had was like 
quite a few years old because right before I went on the trail, I didn't do any other research, but there's so many people just like, I'm just going to go hike the PCT. I mean, Hey, all the power to you. If you can do that, go for it. But so learn, learn on the fly, I guess. But, uh, but you must have like so much, you probably also, it's probably hard to, for you because you got all these people like, Oh, I use this gear and I use this gear, but you got all this gear now. And you're like, I'm still, I, I still have no idea. It's just like doing research on the internet. Like everyone's got so many different opinions and you're like, okay, well now I got all this, all these other opinions. <laughs> yeah. I have this maybe, stuff. maybe too much. <laughs> you have the stuff. I have this stuff, but I haven't used it yet. Okay. So, um, but yeah, it's, it is a little challenging. It is a little hard because on one level, you know, you want to go into it fresh because you want the experience to be fresh and new and that kind of thing. But on the flip side of that, I almost feel like, and I know I can't, but it almost feels like, because I've had enough of these conversations because I've, researched enough and all of that, that I could almost walk the trail in my mind. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. But I mean, the people that you meet are going to make the experience. So it's never, it's never going to be what you've built up in your head or what all these other stories have built. Like, cause I mean, I did the, let's watch all these documentaries, like as it happens and all Mm -hmm. the, little YouTube channels. And I watched, uh, like Elena's, uh, YouTube videos and stuff like that. And like, it's nothing like what these videos, they can't represent like how you're going to feel on the trail. Right. They can show you the beauty around you, but like until you're actually, until you're actually like standing in the middle of a super bloom in the desert, you like, you can see the pictures of this super bloom, but you're never going to know how you're going to feel standing in the middle of hundreds and thousands of beautiful poppies that are growing all around you. Like, it's just, it's such a surreal experience. Like, yeah. Yeah. The videos, they can show you what you're going to see, but they can't actually show you how you're going to feel. I love that. Yeah. Where can people find you to follow the continuing adventures? <laughs> um, Probably Instagram, I guess. Uh, I have Facebook, but I won't add you if you're not, if I don't know you. So, um, Instagram, it's J Rochelle. So J R A E C H E L L E dot explores. Perfect. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> what, when I ask, when I say the Pacific Crest Trail, when I ask you about the trail, like what is that? moment that vision that sort of pops into your head oh oh my god I have to say being at the top of Mount Whitney I it's funny because I didn't really realize how much that day was gonna like come with me at the end so when our trail family was deciding like you know are we, get, we all basically said, okay, we're going to attempt Mount Whitney and whether or not we get to the top is a totally different thing. But we had been talking about it and some people hadn't even heard until they were on the trail and even heard of like doing Mount Whitney as a side trail or anything like that. And, but for me, Mount Whitney was why I wanted to do the PCT. So I was like, if I can make it, I am going. <laughs> like, I was very much, because everyone's like, Oh, like I won't be bothered if I can't get to the top. Like it's not like, and I was like, no, like if I do not get to the top of Mount Whitney, 
like I might as well just not finish the trial. Like that was my, I know, I know that's not, not a very good way to look at it, but I was just like, no, if I can make it to the top of Mount Lady, I am making it to the top of Mount Lady. I mean, I'm not going to be stupid about it. And if it's super dangerous, I'm not going to go. If I'm by myself, I'm not going to go. But I was like, Mount Winnie is like, that's my jam. That's why I'm here right now. If I make it, and I probably never should have said this, if I make it to the top of Mount Winnie and don't make it home, I will be okay with that. So maybe that's where my demise came from. Like, you know, I don't make it to the monument, but I do make it to the top of Mount Whitney. I mean, so I did make it to the top of Mount Winnie. And it was a beautiful day. It was so clear. It was a little sketchy. Some people did turn around, but we plowed through it. Um, there had just been like a recent snowstorm and there had only been a couple of people up since we had gone up, but we left really early in the morning. We left at 1.30 a.m. from the ranger station or wherever you can camp, Crabtree Meadows, I think. And that, we made it to the top for just before 9 a.m. And someone that we had met in one of the towns, the family that we had met, um, works for something in the government and got fighter jets to fly over top of us at 9 a.m. And we sat at the top and drank our coffee and watched the fighter jets. And it was the best day. I was so happy. I literally called my friend and was like, this is the best day of my life. And I think it was so far. Best day of my life. Top Mount Whitney. It was just such a good feeling. It was so hard. It was so hard. But like, it no, there was not a single, you know, like, we hear about this all the time. Type two fun. It was not type two fun. It was hard, but it was fun the whole way. Every hard step, it was so much fun. Like there are days on the trail where hundred percent it was type two fun. You were kind of miserable in the moment, but later you laugh about it and whatever. I can even laugh about my John Muir past day, but <laughs> uh, not waiting. The whole thing was fun. There was no type two fun happening. It was fun with every sketchy moment, with every like frustrating footstep or slip or stomping in a footpath for the people behind you. Um, yeah, it was so cool. And then we did six miles on the trail after, <laughs> after summiting Mount Whitney. So it was a long day. We went back and had a break, but then we did six more miles. That was a good day. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I felt like super strong and super proud of myself. And it was beautiful. We couldn't have asked for better weather. It was clear. You could see for miles. So it's pretty cool. Speak a little louder. And when he finds ourselves wishing that we could make a bigger A huge thank you to Jess for sharing her stories from the trail. And Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. If you want to see our conversation, we now also have a video version of this episode on our website at hiking-through.com, or you can go directly to the brand new Hiking Through channel on YouTube. On next week's episode, I'll be talking with Joshua Leon, one half of the hiking duo known as Duct Tape, about his 2019 and 2020 PCT through hikes. My hope and goal for this podcast is that you see yourself in these stories, and from that, you find inspiration to follow the dream of through hiking wherever it may lead you. I'll see you on the trail.